0: today's talk is called Following Christ in the Crisis. Um, Over the past week, I've been reading uh, news articles and watching how this pandemic is affecting the world, and I couldn't help but think about Matthew chapter 24. And so today, um, I'm going to invite you to turn with me um, to this passage, or to these two passages, and we'll be spending most of our time uh, looking through uh, this text um, there's so many global events that are highlighted in this chapter, and I think that it's worth considering this um, part of the Bible as we observe these events unfold around, uh, unfold around us. Um, usually when this topic is shared, it's in reference to the past, but today we're kind of in a unique situation where we're at the beginning of the crisis, and we get to kind of look at Scripture in light of what's happening around us currently. Um, and even though I think covering this topic I could come across as alarmist, um, I think it's still worth considering this chapter because um, it provides a degree of hope and direction in this time of uncertainty. So I'm going to invite you to turn uh, in your scripture that's that's in front of you to Matthew chapter 24, and uh, we'll look at the first few verses. Um, If you read these first few verses in Matthew 24, uh, you'll find that the disciples of Jesus ask him about two different things. One, they ask Jesus about the destruction of Jerusalem, and two, they ask him about the signs that will take place right before his coming. And I'm not going to spend time talking about the destruction of Jerusalem today, but I I'd like to look at the signs that Jesus highlights and how these signs are being fulfilled today. And so if you look at verses 6 and 7 in Matthew chapter 24, uh, the text reads, And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. Now, Jesus here highlights a number of events that would take place. Uh, first off, that there would be wars and rumors of wars, conflict that would take place between different nations that would be apparent and obvious, and conflict that would be concealed. And I don't know if you've noticed that petrol prices have been very low in um, and I, I realize the price has just increased over the last 24 hours, but in some places in Australia, the price of petrol over the last couple of weeks has been as low as a dollar a liter. And it turns out that we're in the middle of an oil price war between Saudi Arabia and Russia. And in summary, uh, Saudi Arabia, which is the kingpin of OPEC, approached Russia, a non-OPEC um, oil producer, and they asked them, or they proposed to cut production of oil earlier this March. And the idea was, if you cut production of oil, then that would increase the, the value of oil, and um, everyone would make a little bit more money. But Russia refused to cut production, and so OPEC responded by increasing its own production. And this increase in supply has lowered the price of oil, which is nice for us consumers in the short term, um, but this is creating a Global oversupply of oil, and what's happening is that uh, the lowering—excuse uh, me—the lowering of the price of oil is lowering the GDP of multiple countries um, at the same time. And so, it's going to be interesting to see how this affects um, affects the world in the long term. It's going to be interesting to see how this affects uh, the U.S. because the U.S. is the largest oil producer in the world right now. And so, certainly, this trade war between. Um, Russia and, uh, Saudi Arabia is going to affect the U S. Um, so this trade war is supposed to continue on until 2021. So next Jesus states that there would be famine and pestilence and I'm not able to get control of the, cool. Um, Yep so next Jesus states that there'd be famine and pestilence and pestilence in the Greek word uh, excuse me pestilence in the Greek can mean several different things it can mean plague disease or a pest and uh, i just wanted to know if you have heard about the hundreds of billions of locusts that are swarming through parts of east africa and south asia it's the worst infestation that that part of the world has seen in the quarter of a century <coughs> And so the BBC posted an article last week and uh, basically these locusts are breeding so fast that the swarm can grow 400-fold by June this year. Um, back in January, the UN asked for $76 million to tackle the crisis and I assume that that's in U.S. currency. But that number has ballooned to $138 million. And to give perspective on the magnitude of this problem, Uh, The swarms can move up to 145 kilometers per day, and each locust can eat their weight daily. And so the current swarm as is uh, eats as much as 35,000 humans a day uh, would consume. And so these locusts are threatening the food supply of literally millions of people. So the Chinese government has deployed a team of experts to Pakistan to come up with a plan to deal with this problem, and according to reports, they're thinking of deploying 100,000 ducks. Now, I don't know where they're going to find that many ducks, but apparently ducks eat a lot of locusts, so we hope that plan works out well. Um, so Jesus says that there's going to be pestilence, whether it's plague, pest, or disease, and which brings us to the coronavirus. And I'm sure you've been following the news uh, of the spread of COVID-19, and I've never lived through anything like this in my lifetime. It's just bizarre. Uh, This virus is not just a threat to the well-being of the vulnerable, but it's triggering a recession, it's isolating people, and it's just such a crazy thing to witness. And sorry, James, I'm just going to ask real quick. So I realize the screen priority is on the slides. So are they seeing the slides or are they seeing me? Okay, all right. Um, okay, cool. That's what they say? Yep. And that's the next day. Okay, cool. And that's helpful to me, so thank you. <laughs> all right. So, in verse 8, um, Jesus says that uh, all of these things are but the beginning of birth pains. Now, the thing about contractions is that uh, they that the intensity and frequency of the contractions communicates when the baby is about to arrive now I realize it's a bit silly for me to talk about um, giving birth as uh, clearly I've never given birth to anyone but I have uh, witnessed the birth of my two children and so this is uh, from that experience this knowledge comes from that experience now, if contractions are mild, they don't last long and they happen infrequently. And that communicates to the mother and, um, whoever else is with her that, um, you have a bit of time before the baby arrives. If contractions in- increase in intensity, if they, um, last for about 45 seconds and the contractions come about every five minutes, then that communicates to the family, um, the baby is on its way and and that's how the body communicates get ready and so the message that jesus wants to communicate to his followers is that when these signs happen it's not the end but rather when they increase in uh, frequency intensity and severity it communicates that um, something is about to happen that jesus is coming and so i think for the skeptic uh, the signs mentioned in Matthew twenty four, um, they are not faith building. Uh, one can say, um, it's uh, one can say that oh well these events have been happening since the beginning of time and history tends to repeat itself. So how does this prove that anything is going to happen? But I think when the text is understood, these events don't take away from the truthfulness of Jesus's. Um, uh, the truthfulness of the point that Jesus is making, but rather, if anything, it should add credibility to Christ's promise that he will indeed return. Um, and here's where this talk gets a bit hairy and uncomfortable, because uh, I'm going to try and connect meaning to the events that are taking place around us and the events that we've discussed. And what I mean by that statement is, when we look at these incredible events, um, Especially those that are stated in matthew twenty four and the rest of the bible and um, and especially when it comes to prophecy, we tend to attach meaning to events. Uh, I think it's a natural question to ask God, why are these things happening if something extraordinary is happening in society in politics um in healthcare. then the question is god why are you allowing this to happen why is this happening um why was there a bushfire at the beginning of the year uh why wasn't there rain right at the beginning and when the rain did come why did it flood um one could ask the question why why does god allow these trade wars to happen why um Why does God allow the coronavirus to take place? Um, When we look for meaning in events in history, um, it it becomes challenging, and especially when when the Bible gives prophetic insight into what's going to happen in the future. It causes us to question the intent and the motive of God. And so when I look at this list, uh, I see a list of things that humanity relies on. For example, humanity relies on nature. We we need nature to act in a specific way. Uh, humanity relies on politics and diplomacy for our safety and our well-being. Uh, humanity relies on medical science to provide health care uh, when we're in need. And uh, the point, I think, that is highlighted here in this text is that Jesus is saying that everything that we rely on as uh, as people will fail this side of eternity Um, you know when I think about medicine uh, as of last night the global death toll breached 10,000. And it's it's pretty significant because I think five days ago or four days ago, um, the death toll was at around 6,500. So in a matter of days, the death toll has almost doubled globally. And, you know, there are countries like Italy where the hospitals are having to prioritize who they give healthcare to. Uh, they're, they're having to make decisions um, based on who's going to who has the best chance of survival if we provide healthcare to this individual? And so they're, they're having to turn away healthcare from the vulnerable, from the old, from people who are really sick. And, and it's, it's, it's such a sad thing to see, but the reality is that, uh, the healthcare system as it stands in many nations, um, is not set up and it's not ready for the pandemic that is, is upon us. And so, um, I, I think it's so important to see, I guess, the, the, the intent of Christ's message and the seriousness of Christ's message and the seriousness of the situation that we're in right now. And I I just want to deviate from the talk for a moment and just kind of give my own personal two cents on the importance of personal responsibility amidst this, um, amidst this pandemic. Um, the UK, organized this uh, or they commissioned the Imperial College based in London to put together a COVID-19 response team and they recognize right now we need non-pharmaceutical interventions to reduce mortality and healthcare care um, uh, and and healthcare in other words uh the the Imperial College came to this conclusion that we cannot rely on healthcare and medicine right now. And so they produced this 20-page report um that the uh they re- excuse me they released they released this 20-page relo- uh, report just a few days ago and it has informed the US, the UK and even Australia uh of the importance of social distancing. So social distancing may not seem like an important thing but I think the changes in public gathering policies here in Australia are an indicator of the gravity of the situation. (coughs) So just to recap, nine days ago, the Australian Grand Prix um, was supposed to be a go. And um, I think Thursday uh the FIA released a statement saying the Australia the, the Australian Grand Prix will take place and Friday the next day they decide to close down uh the race because one of the team members from uh, McLaren ended up testing positive and that that's a really big thing for the government then to say all right we're going to actually cancel this this major event uh 5 days ago the rules for public gathering stated that um, groups of more than 500 people should not gather Fast forward to two days later, and the rules for indoor public gatherings changed and said that uh, we shouldn't gather in groups of more than 100. And yesterday, a new rule stated that venues need to enforce a four-square-meter person policy, which I'm happy to report we are we are in line with those uh, those new rules. Um, so the AGE reports that next week the, the cabinet is actually supposed to meet again, and they're uh, deciding – whether or not to lock down different suburbs uh, within New South Wales and Victoria, which is very significant. And basically they're just saying, look, there may be certain areas that are higher risk, and we're going to shut down, say, the suburb of Coburg for the next six weeks. And I- I'm just saying, because the situation is uh, becoming more serious, we as a church, we as a community should also do our part in being responsible. And that means practicing healthy um hygiene of washing our hands, keeping distance rather than greeting each other with a handshake or a hug, um to actually just wave at each other and I am talking to you huggers in out there and in our church, make sure and allow people to uh practice social distancing. And um yeah, I just I think it's important for us as a people to to uh, as a church to be responsible. Now, if you have coronavirus symptoms, you can get screening at uh, the Royal Melbourne Hospital. Um, There's also a coronavirus hotline, and I realize I haven't put the slide up there, but the the number is 1-800-675-398. That's 1-800-675-398 for those of you who may have questions about coronavirus. So I'm done with my coronavirus spiel. So back to creating meaning to these world events. What does this all mean? So in Luke chapter 21, verses 25 to 28, um, Jesus explains why these events take place. And so reading the passage here, starting in verse 25, it says, And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars. And on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on earth, on the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when we see these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. So Jesus says that there's going to be a breakdown in the systems that we rely on. Our human tendency is to try and create heaven on earth. And so much of our time, our energy, our resources are focused on becoming stable here and now. And the point that Jesus is making here is that this world is temporary. And the things that we rely uh, rely on and trust in will fail. And so God wants us to then... Rather than prioritize ourselves and prioritize this world, he wants us to prioritize him. So then, how should we currently live? Are we supposed to simply wait till Jesus comes, forget about personal responsibility, forget about uh, the environment, forget about uh, the importance of um, taking care of our families? How should we then live our lives? So back to Matthew chapter 24. If we read on in verse 12 and 13, Jesus continues on in uh, in his discourse. He says, And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. I think Jesus recognizes that, in a time where there's so much uncertainty, the natural tendency is to practice self-preservation, to think about ourselves, to protect ourselves, and the end of um, the end of living that way is that um, lawlessness increases and the love of many then grows cold, and Jesus's advice to us as we live through these uncertain times is to do the opposite rather than practice self-preservation it's as a community looking out for each other and then as a community seeing how we can then be a blessing to the community outside of our church to practice love when it becomes difficult um the uh ravi's ravi zacharias is a christian apollo uh he he he's famous for practicing Christian apologetics, and he has this ministry. And uh, they did this biblical historical um, study on Christianity through times of uh, of, of pan- uh, times where the world has faced different pandemics. And uh, in the first cent, the first century church. Faced something very similar to what we're facing today. During the time of the Roman Empire, there were plagues that were killing 5,000 people a day, and the Christian Church then responded um, to this situation by drawing closer to the community. Um, instead of running away from it this is a time where people were uh, leaving their families out on this uh, family members were leaving their uh, their loved ones out on the street to die because there was no medical attention there wasn't enough food there wasn't enough water but what the first century church did was they drew close to people provided for the needs of the community around them and as a as a result the church grew in uh, love in in, uh, in in love and in numbers as well And I'm not saying that we should practice kindness for the sake of uh, church growth. I'm just saying we should practice our convictions based off of um, the teachings and the principles of Christ. And as a result, that is what causes people to then realize, oh, like, that is what God is like. I want to learn about your God. And so I hope that as you face the crisis in your life, whether it be – an economic recession, whether it be the sickness around us, um, that God would give you opportunities to connect to the people around you, to be uh, to be that light, to be that caring person, and as a result, may we uh, grow as a community, may we grow as individuals, and may we be a blessing to those around us. May God bless you. Now, at this time, we're going to do a QA and a session. And for those of you who have submitted questions, I'm just going to review some of those questions and answer some of the questions that have come up. And this is actually kind of funny because nobody has submitted any questions, and so that's okay. (laughs) What we want to do is we just want to create the space so that for those of you who do want to interact... We have this space and uh, if you have questions or comments about the sermon then it gives us as a chance uh, it gives us as presenters a chance to respond to uh, questions that you may have now what we're going to be doing is we're going to meet in uh, zoom, uh, we're going to meet in, um, we're going to use zoom to meet in groups to pray and to share about a week and so if you want to go to the Melbourne City Adventist Church Facebook page and if you want to Click on that link, then you can join us um, you can join us online and may God bless you this week and and uh, be with you as we go through this.